Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is I, Renee, Loki Geek here, and guess what? I have a special friend joining me today. It is the wolf, as I like to call him, Mr. John Blake. What's going on, dude? Hey, Renee. Hey, Mr. Geek. How's it going? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Yes, we are recording this on a Sunday. And look, it's been already, what, two weeks now, the Batman's been out, and I figured a good amount of people have seen it. I have not had a chance yet to talk full spoilers about the whole movie, the experience of watching the movie, and I decided to include you on this conversation because I think you and I are coming at it from two very unique ends. Now, we both love movies. We talk about movies all the time. That's how we really became and started our friendship was because of our love of movies, really. Uh, and we'll talk about you're going to be seeing us a lot more often on this channel and we'll get into like how we met, how we we're friends, how I could still be friends with this guy after all these years. But um, the fact that, you know, we share that love of cinema and how this movie kind of crosses that genre of comic book movie, superhero movie and cinema and kind of blends it really well. So. Uh, I think this will be a, a fun conversation. I hope all of you think this will be a fun conversation for yourself. Again, as always, you like what you see and you want to see more of us, hit that like, subscribe. You know, sure. Don't forget to hit that notification bell so that you do get alerted every time a new video is uploaded. But yeah, let us start talking about the Batman and he is vengeance and we are vengeful and we are going to talk about how vengeful he really was. Um, so Blake, initial thoughts on the Batman. You saw it twice now. Seen it twice, uh, and they were almost back to back with that opening weekend, and then uh, a couple days after. Nice. The first, thank you for having me on your show. I'm honored and delighted to be here. Uh, my, we, because every time we see a movie, mm -hmm. we talk about that movie, and every time we see each other, we go over. Have you seen this movie? What have you seen lately? And then we would get in trouble because we would just talk about movies the entire time we're hanging out. And then yep. sometimes we go to movie together and the whole drive home and it's like, we'll just kill time. Just talking about oh, yeah. we could do this all day. I love this. The, the problem is last time we hung out, we had a friend there who's just, he can't, he can't be respected uh, because no. he hasn't seen Batman yet and it's been like five days. And so yeah. we had to hold off on the conversation and I'm kind of glad we did so we could do it on camera. And oh boy, I am very excited to to talk about this movie with you finally. Yeah, no, absolutely, yes. And and said friend who I'm sure will eventually watch this video, uh, we still love you. It's just you need to be quicker in watching movies so we could all talk about it. <laughs> I, we're, we are spoil. There are spoilers in this, and the reason yes. is because if you haven't seen it by now, what yes. are you doing? That, that's exactly. All, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Great reminder too. Like again. The, as the title dictates, as you see at the bottom of this screen, this is a full spoiler talk. So if you have not seen the Batman, and we're talking about the new Batman, not talking about any of the older Batman movies, 
if you haven't seen the batman with robert pattinson zoe kravitz do not continue further from here because you are going to get spoiled on this movie but what you can do is you could bookmark this video and come back to it later after you've watched the movie and then maybe you could share your thoughts and sentiments with what we're talking about in the comment section so uh so without further ado uh blake let me know your initial thoughts of the batman uh, the Batman, I'm going to say, I, if you haven't seen it yet, keep watching. I don't care. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> one more time, and just this is this is the life you deserve, is to not right. enjoy things. Uh, I My initial reaction, I absolutely adored this movie. My first watch was with a casual viewer who was not invested in the movie, it was the 11.30 p.m. showing in Times Square, which mm. I don't know if people know this. There were like 2 and 3 a.m. showings at yes. certain theaters. That blew my mind because the idea of coming out of the Batman in sunlight, that is a very nocturnal animal way to live. <laughs> that is when you are the shadows and then you leave and you're in Times Square with the sun. There's nothing like that. I wanted to do that, but this person said no. They're a casual viewer. We went. Um, they were absolutely like yawning throughout and I could not have been happier. And I think their yawns fueled my love for this movie even greater. It was right. a very casual audience because I think it was day two or day three in Times Square mm -hmm. late at night. And a lot of people were just like kind of going with their, their buddies or a date or something like that. Um, right. I absolutely adored it and kind of like in an... Uh, even things I didn't like about it, I liked even more in that that kind of way, seeing it with that audience. And then I needed to see it a second time with a buddy who was a, a film buddy, uh, a superhero buddy. And this this friend, fortunately, was like a, a super DC Comics person, which we can talk about, but I'm very familiar with like comic lore. Yeah. Um, this person has worked uh, uh, behind the scenes on movies like John Wick 3, and they've been like doing production stuff. That was an awesome person to go see it with. Because the conversation afterward was exactly what you and I like to do. We got yeah. deep into it. And they were, not only did they love it the way I loved it, they said the exact same thing, which I was kind of trolling the person I was with uh, my date that first night. But I said, I wish this was another three hours. The, I'm not saying at the two and a half hour mark, the same friend goes like, dude, I wish this was another three hours. I was like, yes, because that's exactly how I felt about it. The length, I was so lost in it. And so I found it. I was captivated the entire time and could have, could have gone longer. I think I have some basic but um, understanding of what you thought, but what, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, it, it made me really happy to hear how much you love the movie because I know when it comes to superhero comic book movies, you are usually like maybe 60, 40, I would say like sometimes you really like it sometimes you're like oh it was okay uh, but you still allow yourself to watch it because you know there is some sort of still entertainment you get from these movies right and I think given that you are such a huge movie buff like I am you're you're just open-minded to watch a bunch of different types of movies and this is you know now that it's kind of hard to ignore the landscape of movies nowadays that it is a lot of comic book related stuff you know things have been like you know borrowed from marvel dc or whatever like that so 
it re- it made me really happy to hear that you liked it so much but i knew you would like it for the reasons that you're going to talk about in a little bit because of the you know the cinematic feel it had you know and that's really what i loved about the movie so i watched it uh there was a special on the monday the week it opened uh, there was like a fan IMAX screening um, that they did at uh, AMC. Um, and I went there to see that. And of course, everyone there, they're all comic book fans. They're all Batman fans. So they're these are the ones that are diehards that they, they're dying to watch all this stuff. So I felt like it kind of helped me enjoy the movie. But it also made me realize how there is a divide when it comes to comic book fandom like the fans when it comes to a movie that may be a little bit more cinematic than what they're used to you know not following the same formulas that marvel does or things that we've seen like with like aquaman or shazam right for example uh me personally i love the fact that they've you know matt reeves really took the cinematic approach and you could see a lot of it in his influences from like Lynch and, and you know when you compare it to like Seven or Zodiac and things like that like it's there's a lot of good comparisons and um, I love the fact that this is probably you know one of the more deeper Batman stories that we have seen on the big screen you know if you were a fan of the animated show back in the day even though you never read the comics the the animated show went deep into a lot of these like really deep storylines and all that and i felt like this is the first time we got this in a live action format that wasn't overly campy or cheesy or were uh, disjointed you know you know like some of the nolan stuff was good but then it would be like okay where are you going now with this like this is like so far out of left field or whatever uh, and we could talk more about that later. But yeah, I, I've only seen it once. I have been wanting to see it again. But one of the reasons why I haven't is because it's three hours long. And you definitely need to dedicate time to go watch it. And, you know, I, I, I just haven't found that time yet. So, but yeah, overall, I, I, I love the movie. I can't wait to see what's going to come next. Because I believe he is working on a trilogy for this uh, iteration of the Batman um, but yeah, with all that being said, so obviously I, I'm sure I've mentioned some things and you have some things you want to share too, but what are the main things that you found yourself really liking about this movie? So w- when you're talking about, I, first off, I'm jealous that you got to go to that fan screening because that <laughs> is the best place to watch a movie. We talk about so often, yeah. go to a theater and see a movie in person that the fans around you can really dictate your experience and your expectations and how you felt during and then leaving the movie. There are some times where you and I feel very differently about the movie, and I think it was because of the fan experience of who was around us. Um, In my case, it spurred me on to like this one even more, but it's possible that if the person next to me or the the people around me had been more uh, boisterous or like rambunctious, Mm -hmm. maybe in the movie, I would have been taken out of the moment. Mm. Um, So that's cool that you got to go to that. I am actually curious more on how on how those folks reacted and then also like because you come more from the comic book world and the history there and would understand better um those things i'm curious how when you're talking about the divide between comic book fans and the more cinematic things because i'm actually coming from it from the exact opposite lens what you're talking about right i used to be a snob and not like comic book movies and was more in the martin scorsese camp of Mm -hmm. comic book movies superhero movies are ruining 
cinema and i i dropped that i don't remember which marvel movie but at some point i got into marvel and i got fully wrapped up in it caught up on all of them i then around the same time in my life like i was in i learned to enjoy the fast and furious movies i like i learned to like be able to enjoy things which is makes movies so much better when you don't just cut out anything that is also supposed to sell popcorn I, you can you can enjoy these things, and they are deeper than um, if if someone really wants to be cynical, then they could they could shit on these things. But I don't see it that way at all. I think this yeah. was a very neat movie by all movie standards. Put it in line with anything else, and this was a well executed, well crafted, and psychologically deep movie that I don't. I like I felt things in the way that I do with any other high quality, even more than like a lot of Oscar bait type of mm -hmm. critically acclaimed beloved uh, films as opposed right. to movies. Um, I think so with that in mind, my main experience has been because I, I came around on this. Um, I had seen all of the Christopher Nolan movies because that's Christopher Nolan and that's that he's kind of doing that both worlds thing of yeah. high quality cinema director, beloved, critically acclaimed dude doing superhero stuff. We've seen that in Marvel world. We've seen that in DC world. Yeah. What I was more used to though and had seen more of um, was being fully immersed in the MCU and the optimism of those stories, the, uh, I don't know if I have all of the words to explain like what how the Batman and DC in general is different than the MCU, but mm -hmm. those movies were so often more a lowest common denominator appeal to as many people as possible. And this one was almost alienating in that when I left that that first showing, maybe because it was a late showing, which that can how tired someone is dictates whether or not they like a movie. If I there's times where I'll fall asleep during a movie and it turns out I rewatched it years later, I loved it. But the first time yeah. I was going, that movie was disjointed. It didn't make any sense or I couldn't follow because I was tired, right? I don't yeah. know if that was it, but I think, I've heard this elsewhere that the, the main people leaving the lobby talking about their opinions were saying, wow, that was so long or I didn't get it. It was confusing or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I love that. I, I'm not sure if the average person just going to the movies saying, I don't care what I see today. I don't, I'm not invested at all. Um, and they, they could see anything and they end up at the Batman. I'm not sure if they would like it as much as a, a Marvel movie. Uh, Cause so many of the, so much of the MCU is meant, I think in to be a crowd pleasers. This yeah. one was, uh, was absolutely miserable. Uh, it was dark and dirty and grimy and painful and uncomfortable. And I absolutely loved that. I like it when movies make me feel things, even those things. Uh, I, I, I couldn't get enough. I'm curious um, from your experience and then not only how it made you feel, but also in that with what your expectations were going into it, mm -hmm. uh, you understanding the comic book lore more and then also being around more super fans is your impression that people were mad about it being cinematic and and did it betray the comics do you feel like it truly betrayed those fans or what are you seeing on your end um i i don't i don't see it as something that would have betrayed the fans so in in my group in my audience that i watched it and i think for the most part people really enjoyed 
the portrayal of this Batman, the the story and everything. Because um, one of the biggest gripes that a lot of comic book fans who are huge fans of Batman, one of the biggest gripes that they've always had was that where's the detective aspect of the Batman? Because if you've read the comic books, he even had a comic book line called World's Greatest Detective. Um, he is supposed to be, first and foremost, uh, the uh, like a Sherlock Holmes in, in the comic book world, right? He's supposed to be able to analyze everything, investigate everything, come up with like ideas and plot holes and all that stuff like that. This is the first time that we've actually seen it from beginning to end. Now, yes, they do sprinkle in the typical comic book actiony scenes and all that stuff that you know that we are accustomed to, but. For the majority of the movie, it's just the Batman being a detective, which was fantastic, you know, and I really love that. And again, being a huge fan of like movies like Seven and and Zodiac and stuff like that, it really, you know, harkened back to those movies for me. And uh, I really appreciated that. And I could tell that everyone else really appreciated it, too. However, I think the one thing that kind of um, threw the audience for a loop was the length. I think a lot of people did realize that the movie was long, but I don't think they realized uh, how they would feel how long it was. Like towards the third act, towards the end, I felt like there were several moments where they could have just ended the movie there. But then they continued on because, oh, yeah, we forgot to close out this this storyline or we forgot to. Oh, by the way, the Riddler is still running around. You know, Falcone is dead, you know, but then, oh, yeah, we forgot the Riddler is still running around doing his thing. Right. So, yeah, we have to address that. Um, and I could hear like around maybe the two hour 30 mark, people were getting restless. I could, I got that feeling like a good amount of people were getting restless and just like wondering how much longer this is going to go. Um, I did hear some people after the movie talk about maybe this would have been more suited for a TV series, you know, so that you could break it up in parts and all that. And then really explore a lot more of the storylines and, you know, develop more of the characters. I didn't, I, I'm like 50-50 on it. Like, if this was like, it felt, this is a movie that felt like could have played well as a, a streaming show, like a limited, like a limited series. But I also did feel like he did a great job at making a movie um, that was pretty much, you know, uh, from beginning to end, did what it had to do, you know, and I, I really, really appreciated that. Um, so I think as far as like the fandom's concerned and all that, everyone who I know is a deep, deep Batman fan, familiar with the lore, loved everything about, you know, the animated show, the movies in the past, you know, bought all the comics back in the day. From what I know, and this is, again, my close circle of friends, they love the movie. However, they will say, and I've heard this several times, there's no reason for them to watch it again, though. Because there isn't that one particular moment in the movie where it's like, oh, I got to see that again. Now, I think the reason for that is because that is more in alignment with um, a comic book storyline. While if you're looking at it in the lens of someone who's a fan of cinema, yep. there are many things in there that I would love to see again because of the way it was framed or be the way it was kind of edited. I do feel like there's that, and that's why I feel like there's like that divide there where, you know, comic book fans don't necessarily care so much about the cinema aspect of it, 
but cinema fans who happen to like comic book movies are like gushing all over this movie yeah as someone who was gushing all over this movie part of the reason why is there's there's the cinematic aspect i there is a moment where i said i need to see this again and sometimes you're halfway into a movie before you realize like oh this director is using craft in a way that i may maybe wasn't paying attention to i i don't know how long it took me to realize like oh this is a well this is a well-made movie but i didn't i remember the exact moment it's the car chase with penguin and Mm -hmm. his face on the bottom left of the screen and they're showing him uh looking backwards and like thinking he got away and so you have colin farrell's acting you have the the how things are positioned on the screen in a way that I you don't really see. It doesn't really like it's it's not intuitive unless like the director is intentionally putting things in a certain way and making the right. movie a certain way. And you're kind of seeing the director's hand that if someone didn't think about it, they might just put the the character who's acting in the middle of the screen and instead in this situation that th- that wasn't it. And then eventually you see a Batmobile, so sick burst through the flames loud and you have a, a score that is pulsing and i i remember there's at some point i even shazammed one of the songs i said i want to be able to listen to this part of the score later these are yeah. things where if you're only interested in the story then it, and a lot of people go to movies just saying i didn't like that as a story or i didn't like the way that story ended my right. question really is like, how well executed was it how well made of, of a film was it and in this case mm-hmm. i thought that was those kind of things were happening all throughout but that was the exact moment where uh, hold on one second oh hello you <laughs> got a package um the, the all of those things were happening at the same moment uh and i remember saying i need to see this again and that's like the exact moment i knew i'm, I'm gonna go back and then yeah i think it maybe does slow down towards the end a little bit um there's i by the three hour mark i was satisfied i wasn't Mm -hmm. restless and i i can get restless in movies i wasn't restless um i don't disagree about the idea that this should have been a miniseries i i'm glad that this exists i'm glad it was a three hour movie i think i'm assuming they're gonna make more um i'm assuming that they're if it makes enough at the box office like i'm assuming they're gonna if they need they're probably like they're already in the works and so I it's it almost felt like this director thought, hey, I, I gotta tell all the Batman stories and put all the things in there I want, as if I won't get another chance. And I'm not sure will uh, that has to be partially what's happening, or they just said, I'm gonna make whatever movie I want to make, and I don't care if it's crowd pleasing, if it's too long. I'm surprised the studio signed off on it. But often when you see a three hour runtime, that is almost uh, a sign that this is more of a, a film lover's movie and not the crowd pleaser. Because often the studios will say this has to be less than two hours and ten minutes no matter what. Um, or it would be a super epic Titanic or Endgame style movie where you, you need that much time in order to tell that big of a story. Um, I think, so, so that's me wanting to go back to the movie again. The actual, what I'm, what I'm not sure about. So there's, there's multiple endings. I, I never, I heard people say that could have ended multiple times. Like there were a yeah. few different. I did not feel that way uh, during the movie at all. 
Um, mm-hmm. The storytelling thing too. That's what I. That's the other interesting thing because I my main exposure to Batman has not been as a detective. It's been through mm-hmm. the movies that I've seen, and there's some aspect of that. And there's the noir aspect of it, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed that this time and didn't even really realize that that's something that certain comic book fans had been missing yeah. throughout of uh, the history of, ba- of Batman, at least in, in modern movies. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I heard the other thing that I've heard people say, because I've, I, you know, I'm a podcast junkie. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a bunch of people talk about this. The people have said that the Riddler's riddles were too simple or too easy. And that makes no sense to me as a criticism at all. Because there's certain times he'll ask a question. I, I literally have heard three different people who I usually enjoy their takes on things saying something like that. And there's like certain questions like what's what's black and blue and dead all over or something like that. Like that's not super deep. To me, the main thing was the very first one is the thumb drive, which is honestly, I think it's a funny pun, even though it's a little yeah. dark. Mister. It's, a, it's a little <laughs> messed up, but that was yeah. a clever pun. But it was the way they got there was the code and they're trying to break a code and it turns out it wasn't even a code. So someone's right. saying I could have solved that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They maybe gave it away a little too soon or you didn't see them sweat about it enough. But I assure you, if I was handed that piece of paper, the Riddler would have won the day by far. I would never have found the thumb drive or the car or any of that. Yeah. Um, the And then the other one was the, the tools ended up being what he used as murder weapons. From the very beginning, the first moment, we even see the Riddler hiding in the background like a creepy bird. Oh, my God. How bad, how, like, badass Ooh. was that scene? That, that's, everyone in the audience had the same reaction, yeah. too. And yeah. some guy in the back was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I said oh, shit or if I felt it, but I felt it so hard I might as well have that's the first moment where I thought, oh, I'm in on this. Like they yeah. absolutely pulled me in from that moment. And that early in the movie, I think it's the, yeah, the very first, first time camera shows anything. <laughs> the first anything is the words of the Batman, which I love that they started with the title. Um, yeah. Then it goes to binoculars looking at the apartment. And then it shows through a, uh, uh, I think it's either above the floorboards above or through below, but it's all surveillance binoculars and then from another room. So you got the the pervy surveillance aspect that's kind of happening throughout the movie. There's mm-hmm. it's an interesting theme that I'm not totally sure if it's commentary or if it's just a way to tell a story. But and then you have uh, you show the the politician, the mayor on the phone, and then after they show him, which is the first thing we see that's just like not through. Um, someone's like uh, gaze but then you see the Riddler in the background watching also so three of the very first four scenes literally like the camera is switching from one thing that is someone watching someone else Um, but in that moment that early on in the movie that tool that he used then is the crucial piece which tells the Batman what he needs to know to get to the end I thought the storytelling was well done if someone's focus or attention um, lagged during the long run time, that's understandable. But I don't think you actually get to hold that against the movie. Maybe the audience and what someone put into it. But when I rewatched it, especially, and I was actually taking notes the second time. When I rewatched it, I there were a lot of things like that that I got to appreciate a lot more that I think people on the first view 
in it. And then especially like if you have friends who enjoy it their first view and they said, I'm, I'm probably not going to go see that again. If someone didn't enjoy it, they're probably never going to enjoy this movie. Even right. though if they saw it a second time, they would, they're probably not going to give it that chance. But right. I'm very glad that I saw it that second time. So many of those things, the cinematic things and the storytelling things, all of that uh, clicked in even better. Even though I knew they were there that first watch, the second one mm -hmm. getting to appreciate it again uh, made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you make a great point too. And, and this is one of the reasons why I do want to see it again too, because again, for someone who's watching it for the first time, you may not necessarily be paying attention to like all the little nooks and crannies and, and breadcrumbs that they spread throughout the whole movie, because it really does tie out in the end. You know, like you just said, the murder weapon that was used in the first, in the first kill that he did ties up all the way into the end and what Batman needs to use to reveal the ultimate plot that was there under their noses the whole time. Right. Um, I, I, I love that, you know, all those little things are there. And I, I'm, I am very curious to see how I would react after. Because what I like to do when I watch a movie for the first time is like I, I do try to pay attention too much on little nuances and all that. Right. As a second time viewer, I'm now just trying to enjoy the movie for what it is, you know, just for what the director is meant to do, what uh, how he's trying to tell the story, he or she's trying to tell the story, you know, and all that stuff like that. Now, with all the the idea about the riddles being too easy, look, if I was uh, Jim Gordon right next to the Batman, I would probably okay. react more dumbfounded than he reacted in the movie. I would just be like, so what you got, big guy? Because I ain't got shit. <laughs> you know, I'll just, yeah. I'm not I'm enough like, you know what? Good luck. I'll see you in the morning yeah. with coffee. Exactly. He's like, you know what? I, I'm gonna go grab a subway. Like, like I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, eat my sorrows because I suck at my job. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, eighty-five percent, even ninety percent of all those riddles, I couldn't figure out. I'm sorry. That's just how I am, you know. And how, like you said too, it's not just so much the riddles as far as clues, but it's things that lead up to actual physical actions that they have to do, right? And I thought that was also very brilliant. And because, look, the last iteration of the Riddler we got on the big screen was this big, jokey, Jim Carrey, over-the-top impersonation who had kindergarten-level riddles, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that was the movie that you could really be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Or, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Like, that. And that's, that was his level of intelligence in that, right. in that movie. Yeah, it was like kooky and, and, you know, all that stuff like that. This guy is like sinister. This guy is like, you know, he's really trying to put Batman to task um, because he's trying to prove a point, you know, and, and there's a whole, a whole overarching point there. I love the fact also that after it was all said and done, you know, he thought at the end Batman would get him enough that'd be like, hey, bro, you know, you get me. We're almost the same. Why don't we team up, buddy? You know, hey, you, you know, you got, I, you were able to get this far. That means you must feel me. You must know me. So what up, right? Like, I kind of love how the whole psychosis of this guy was just like, I'm going to do all these things. And if he gets it, oh, that means we're cool. That means, oh, he, he gets me and we could totally rule this town together, right? Um, 
while we cleanse it of all the impurities of Gotham because everyone's corrupt and da 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 da, da and this and that. Um, I, I love that aspect and how he was toying with him, but at the same time, he wanted him to be on his side, you know, and, and again, we wouldn't have gotten that if we didn't get the detective version of the Batman. Um, because, and, and again, another thing I really love about this movie is we got what, maybe 10 minutes of Bruce Wayne and it's not the typical womanizing you know, philanthropist playboy yeah. you know guy he's a guy that's still you know moody and broody and like you know he's still mourning things and uh as people would like to say now he's the emo bruce wayne you know he's just like you know listening to my chemical romance somewhere like as he's walking down the street but it's uh, the way i looked at it and i'm sure, i don't know if you felt the same way this is a version of batman that we got where all he wants to be is Batman. He doesn't give a shit about the money. He doesn't give a shit about the Bruce Wayne personality. He is so obsessed with being the Batman, being this vigilante, trying to, you know, correct all the wrongs within the city that he gets so lost in it, right? And like, even you have like Alfred reminding him, like, hey, dude, you know, you, you gotta like snap out of it every now and then and, you know, you know, be this name that you you know your family is a part of and he was just like fuck that i don't care about that shit and like i yeah i'm trying to like solve this riddle or figure out this crime or all this kind of stuff like that like i love the fact that we have such a focus on the batman itself and then maybe later on we're, we'll get to finally see some of the bruce wayne stuff but even if we don't i could care less because i always did feel like the bruce wayne moments in the past movies were kind of like the cheesy kind of you know corny aspects of those movies that didn't really serve much of a purpose um so yeah so i don't know if you felt the same way but i did love that part of it if you wanted to go to a, a if you wanted to dance for the bathroom in the old movies you would always anytime you saw bruce wayne in a suit at a party schmoozing for a while so and yeah. then maybe eventually a bad guy would break into that room and, and cool things would happen but otherwise yeah. that, those were always where those movies dragged for me this I'm actually going to throw it back to you because my question, yeah. not understanding Batman lore fully enough, sure. when we're looking at, uh, you're going to hear me bring up a, a few gripes, uh, which I already, already brought up one, but of, of reviewers and the way people responded to the movie in ways that I didn't uh, appreciate or understand. There were yeah. a, a, a certain podcast I listened to where they're talking about they didn't understand that this was young Bruce Wayne, and they didn't understand <laughs> the way that that affected the story and weren't able to appreciate certain choices that Robert Pattinson made and that the story yeah. was why, why it was handled the way it was. And does it make sense? I, I, I was, I'm not aware of this stuff and I was only judging it kind of within its own, the self-contained. I knew that this was a younger, the Batman. I even think that yeah. Robert Pattinson is older than they're having this Bruce Wayne person be. I'm not sure, but they, I feel like just looking at the way that they, they, they did him up. I think in a little bit, I would like to talk about the acting of, of this movie sure. and the different characters and stuff. Maybe we get to that next. But first, yeah. like, there's, I feel like that Robert Pattinson is making choices, the way they costume him. Uh, it's making him look more young, angsty. If you told me that he was playing a 23-year-old, I'd be like, okay, that sounds about right. I yeah. don't know the timeline of Terrence's death, um, his reaction to that, and then where we're at with this movie. And I'm not sure if they did a lot of 
uh, they didn't do a lot of exposition on trying to like they this movie didn't show the parents dying. That's uh, right. I don't know what franchises haven't done that, but that's one of the things where when people talk about, oh, it's a superhero movie, is there going to be a backstory? And are you going to show the parent dying? Spider-Man or Batman, they always, like, I feel like those are the reference points for, oh my God, it's another story, another superhero movie. Right. When are we, how much backstory and how long will that take? Um, this one, they didn't show that. I don't know, though, the timeline of how old is this dude? How long ago did his parents die? And those things, I think, help make the story make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um with how much of him did we see how brooding is he how obsessed is he with vengeance the fact that he even calls himself vengeance and other people call him vengeance multiple times um i think says a lot about his headspace and why he might seem emo i i don't know what it's like to go through what bruce wayne went through but i do think that some emotional response or like being more jaded or broken might make Mm -hmm. sense depending on on how how long ago the past was and what if how long he's been the batmaning you know what i mean right yeah yeah i think so i do re- recall in the movie so they mentioned that uh the batman has been around for 2 years so this is like the 2 years that he's been full on batman vigilante you know scaring the criminals of the streets of gotham all that stuff like that um as far as like how long it was from that point to when his parents died, they didn't dev- uh, go into that a lot. And I kind of find it refreshing that they didn't, you know, like I, I find it, oh, yeah. I, I, I hate it constantly always seeing the uh, the death of the Waynes over and over again. It's like, we get it. We, we, we know it already. It's just like, again, like what you said, going to the whole Spider-Man thing. I don't need to see Uncle Ben get shot for the fifth time like like i get it it's the same shit every time we get it let's move on past that and let's just see a more developed version of this character who's already had to deal with that or maybe is still dealing with it right so i think like this version of the batman since he is young and i I don't recall if they mentioned how young he was i think they did say he was in his 20s like 23 or 24 i'm not sure um or maybe i saw an interview with matt reeves who mentioned it or something like that but i I love the fact that he is still young he's still trying to figure things out um because you that's another thing that's great about this movie is that he's he made a lot of mistakes you know, and he made one major mistake in the movie too that like cost like a, a shift in what they originally thought was going to happen. Um, so he still, what's that? You're talking about in this movie. What what mistake are you talking about? So remember the the riddle about the the bird, like, and you know they were at first it was like, well, are they talking about the penguin, or are they oh, talking yeah. about the bar? And, Oh, could it be me? Are they talking about me the whole time? It's like it was like I didn't figure it out. Oh, the second time <laughs> that scene, the second audience. I'm so glad I went back. They yeah. were cracking up. My friend was laughing first, and by the end, everyone was laughing at Colin Farrell with his thick accent. What are you showing this to me for? Oh my! And then he's like chasing after them, doing his little penguin waddle. It was so cute and hilarious with his overreaction. <laughs> yeah. Super yeah. soprano level of oh, and just so over the top. Yeah, the that moment where it turned, it was comical in the second yeah. watch. In the first one, it was it, what people weren't laughing the same way. It actually was like more 
aggrieved that, yeah, he's supposed to be a great detective and there's some serious mistakes and poor Mr. Penguin having to I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like, you know, he got, you know, fingered for the wrong thing. And, and but by the way, and I know we're going to get into the acting and we should because uh, like Con Farrell, I mean, like what a phenomenal job he did. But yeah, just to, to close it out, you know, I like the fact that he's still trying to figure it out. And then like at the end of the movie, he realizes that this whole vengeance kick that he's been on, the whole like striking fear into everyone may not have been the right thing to do. You know, now he sees himself as as he's rescuing the people from Madison Square Garden. I don't care what you call it. That is MSG. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is that is right here in New York. But as he's rescuing people, they're all looking at him now in a different light. Right. And he realizes that kind of like we saw in the Nolan movies, he has to now change his way to be more like quote unquote the dark knight instead of this brooding scary thing and all that and by doing that it may have caused more issues that we have not yet to see you know because another thing that i really like about this movie is that not only do i see it as the early years of batman but this in a way can be seen as the origin story of his villains you know, the penguin was just this low thug, this little thug that like ran a club, right? Catwoman, yeah, like Catwoman worked, you know, did her thing, and she's just realizing things on her own too. The Riddler just, you know, showed up out of nowhere. We see at the end, you know, there's a cellmate next to him that we still don't know anything about, but you know, obviously we know who it is, uh, who is still not in the light yet, and who knows what other things are going to come out. Now that Gotham is at a free for all at the end because they're rebuilding, you know, Falcone is gone, so that entire crime family no longer has a hold on things. So that means people are going to start fighting for control of the city here and there, you know. And it's like being the brooding vengeance guy that he is kind of brought out the wackos because, you know, they see like, oh, this guy was able to get away with it. Way did they get a load of me? Kind of thing like that. Not to steal anything from Jack Nicholson, but um, yeah, I, I love that aspect. But yeah, let's let's jump in, uh, into the acting in this movie because it was just superb all across the board. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. But before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one. There are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. Um, it also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you, but for me, some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach, makes me a little burpy, and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up, uh, which is something that I need for my coffee every day. Bulletproof also offers a lot of keto-friendly snacks and supplements, anything that you need to kind of 
add to your everyday nutritional needs, add to your diet, and make you and pretty much transforms the way you feel uh, every day. So, uh, for a limited time, if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now, low key geek all caps, one word, you can get 15% off your order. So what, what is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, back to the episode. I mean, like, I, I don't think there was one particular person who I thought was a weak link here. Um, but yeah, you you go first. Like, what were some of the, the the things that stood out for you as far as acting is concerned? So, what what I think is there's there's so many great actors or great acting performances in this movie, and I almost want to just go down the list of mm-hmm. the the main characters and those actors. The most interesting thing is that the main actor if you want to say the Batman, Robert Pattinson spends very little time as Bruce Wayne. And that changes yeah. the dynamic of the movie. A take I agree with that I heard somebody say was that Selena Kyle and uh, Zoe Kravitz is actually the lead movie star of the movie. If you're looking at charisma, carrying the movie, seeing their face and their personality showing through because right. the Batman, he's, he's already covered and he's a shell of a man when you see Robert Pattinson as right. Bruce Wayne in his human suit and in his like his funeral garb. That I think is really interesting because there are very few times when you have a movie, especially a superhero movie, but any movie at all, where the title character and the main actor with the most lines who's leading the driving the whole plot, where you have that little action from them. The only other ones I can think of would be I, I, nothing even comes to mind, but be, there's rare cases where the main person is a robot or something like that, or someone's mm-hmm. playing a, a fictional um, a person or like Scarlett Johansson and her is kind of in that, that world or like a bicentennial man kind of situation where someone's playing not a human. This movie was, and then most superhero movies, it's the title character. You expect that right. person to be the face of that movie with, I can't think of exceptions off the top of my head even. Um, So I think Robert Pattinson gets short shrift. It helps the story. I'm glad they did that. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that Robert Pattinson has been trying to like spent the last however long shaking Twilight and then decided to do another franchise level movie. I I can almost imagine them selling it, that all being a selling point for him and him saying, Mm -hmm. okay, I get to be Scottie Pippen in this movie. I don't have to be the number one dude. And it will mostly not even be my face. I don't know what internally happened with him. It seems like he was not happy by the end of the Twilight Press. <laughs> like in those those interviews, it seems like he was done with it. I can imagine that being a sacrifice he was willing to take. And I think it made the movie better overall. I feel yeah. strongly about that. If some people really want a lot of Bruce Wayne socialite movie, there I don't I don't know if that's anyone's legitimate complaint. It's something you can comment on and say I noticed that or I wish they'd had a little more of this. So I actually don't know how much credit I give Robert Pattinson cuz he so much of what he was doing was just cold, stone-faced where you can't see his face. I've heard people talk about his eye acting. Um that seems like it was good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just being very um deadpan. Yeah. For he's dead inside. This dude is not okay. But he's walking along, and people are interacting with him, 
he's doing the the old the straight man in the comedy bit where he's just sitting there letting the other person I don't think you're supposed to be here and he just looks at them or they'll say something mean to him or even <laughs> there's there's some real caricatures or characters here and he's just staring at them that's it yeah yeah I like that that's a choice that's that is acting even though he's like just holding it in um there is the the emo aspect which when we do see him in Bruce Wayne, that is one of the times where it's easier to judge because mm-hmm. the eye acting as Batman is good. If you want to compare it to Christian Bale, who was had more socialite scenes as Bruce Wayne and had a very prominent voice when he was behind the mask where people like that was a thing people talked about was what the suit looked like on his body and how his voice sounded. And that was kind of the main takeaways of that character. Right. This was Robert Pattinson taking a backseat. If we want to talk about when he is in the forefront as Bruce Wayne, there's the emo aspect. And like, like we said, the, the, the doing the backstory and having parents die on screen or uh, the uncle Ben problem, you know, I don't know. Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man was a couple months ago and I'm still emotional over Marissa Tomei's death. Oh yeah. Spoilers for Spider Man. We just got some some crossfire, if you will. weren't expecting it, but to, that's I mean, by the, by the time this, saw. yeah, by the oh. time this video comes out, it's going to be available digitally. So at that point, everyone that. can watch it. Yeah, everyone so don't worry about it. It's already according to the box office. But goodness gracious, Mirza Tomei's death there. I'm not okay, and I've been emo and moody, and I put a, I started wearing black eyeliner the next day because I've not. <laughs> broken by that tragedy yeah like i don't know and that's why part of what i was asking about earlier with the backstory for the this the batman is how Mm. long ago that tragedy was but regardless it doesn't matter the length of time and what he's been through and the orphan backstory with the riddler i think is interesting in this movie i think there's that's more story we could uncover um but he's i don't know how much of it is choices how much of it is the director just saying like he he couldn't have had a big script if it was just his lines on there and mm-hmm. he, maybe he's making choices i don't i don't know how much of it was robert pattinson acting intentionally very quiet and reserved and um standoffish or broken very few lines of dialogue even when we do see him like there's a scene early on when we see him um, as it might be the first time we see him as the Batman coming to the crime scene of the dead mayor. Oh yeah. It's the mm-hmm. Line of cops and he's just quietly slow motion walking by all of them. I don't know if he's making eye contact or if he's seeing through everyone's souls or what that was fun. But then there's another moment that I'm thinking of not too dissimilar, almost a mirror at the funeral where you have Bruce Wayne in a Bruce Wayne suit, just walking through and there, he's getting some social interaction um, but I don't know how we judge Robert Pattinson's performance and what he was handed and what he was told to do or not do. So if we were to start there, I like that he took that backseat role. Um, yeah. I think he, that was a well-executed thing that he will probably get very little credit for at, at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, especially compared to the uh, people are talking about other actors way more than him from what I can tell. It was just... Did you do a good Batman? Did you ruin the Batman? Did you piss people off? Which happens sometimes in superhero movies. Someone will say, hey, you did a bad job. Now we're not going to see, you know, we don't get a franchise. And people will associate. I don't think that happened. I think he just had to not drop the ball. 
And whatever he was expected to do, he did an awesome job. I, I hope they make more of these. I hope he gets another problem where he's stuck in a franchise. I hope he hates it because there's five of these movies. But for now, <laughs> I think he got to he got to play a lower role, lower key role, and 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 the movie was successful because of that. Yeah, I mean, I I could understand how him as an actor would be already fed up and frustrated towards the end of the whole Twilight series because again look at the the core audience for those movies right it was very young adult you know and very heavily on the rom romance and yeah it wasn't also me i, I was i was in the audience on opening that's, the last movie but uh, i wasn't that's, i wasn't hounding him in the streets asking for right right call. no yeah absolutely yeah and I, I, fun for the Beatles. Yeah, uh, I think he he's always saw himself as wanting to be such a serious actor. And I think as any actor would agree, you have to have a start somewhere. And to start off a, a major career as part of a huge franchise that is like guaranteed money to allow you to, again, do whatever you want to do after that, I think is something you couldn't ignore right especially you know if you you're serious about your crap you know, same thing with Kristen Stewart you know I think uh, she got I think uh, the same amount of backlash as he did you know and all that and they were pigeonholed into this franchise that anytime you would see them doing something else all you would do is compare them to this franchise that ended such a long time ago right so I think that's one of the reasons why when he was announced to be cast as the Batman it was very mixed across the board. A lot of people were just like, they can't see this happening. Um, but I felt like he would be a perfect fit for it, especially if they were to focus more on an earlier, younger version of the Batman, a Batman who was still trying to figure things out, you know, a Batman that still has a lot of these deep-rooted problems because of what he experienced and what he grew up with, um, you know, and and being surrounded in a city that is filled with debauchery and crime and darkness and all that stuff like that you know so um the i think his acting and portrayal of of batman and his little portrayal of bruce wayne or whatever i'm sure it's a mix of his take and also credit to matt reeves on directing it that way because this is the first time i think we've gotten a, a batman that or a bruce wayne that is a recluse right like every time he goes out as the Batman or as Bruce Wayne, it's like he's never been out, like in years, right? So yeah. he doesn't know how to interact with people. Yeah, you know? he's like that awkward dude that you know is at a party and just like will stare at you, you know, like stare through your soul and not say a single word, right? Like he's just that guy. Um, but I also felt like for the Batman, it led to a lot of funny moments. Like the moment you brought up about in the house, in the early, in the very part of the movie where you have the forensics guy trying to go through like the body and he's just standing there just staring <laughs> at the body. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and the guy was like, uh, excuse me, can I just get through here? <laughs> he's just like looking at him. <laughs> There's something yeah. just standing like, uh, okay, all right. And right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, and, I, and I thought that was, it, it got a laugh out of me, but at the same time, I kind of understood, you know, it was like, here's this guy who's like, he doesn't give two fucks, he's just there and he's just doing his thing. 
Another part that I, I was laughing at, and I'm pretty sure this was another choice that they made, was that same car chase scene when, you know, the penguin is already flipped over upside down. You know, here he comes jaunting, walking over, and they have this long shot of him just looking through the window, just being like, hello. <laughs> You can yeah, hear him talk- crying the entire time. Nothing matters. I don't give a shit. You're there. Right. Okay. So deadpan. Yeah. It's such a dramatic right. moment. Everything's so intense. And the climax is him slowly walking towards it. Loved that moment. And actually, yeah. cinematically, the directing in that, like the cinematography was oh, yeah. beautiful. And even yeah. though it's, it shouldn't be, this is a superhero moment. You have a cape flying in the boots. And these are mo- moments that in other movies by other directors might be kind of silly. That was a moment where I was like, that was beautifully directed. Yeah. It was so well done in the upside. It was nice, nice work uh, there. But yeah, the acting in that moment. There's sometimes where I think that if it was, if it had been done differently or incorrectly by Robert Pattinson or the director, we would be laughing when they didn't oh, want yeah. us to laugh. Instead, exactly. all these times were, it was all reactions of other people or Batman reacting to someone else. And mm. If, if there had been dialogue or expressions, then it maybe would be perfectly memeable moments because it was hilarious. But anytime, especially the police folk in the movie, the, what the hell is he doing here? This freak. And any interaction with him or Jeffrey Wright going, are you kidding me? Like somebody laughed at the, uh, like, you trust me line. Um, there's, oh. there's moments or like thumb drive. He doesn't, he just kind of like holds it up. Thumb drive. Like, yeah. yeah. I, and I think that that's, that's, a sign that it was well executed that we weren't laughing at the at the ridiculousness of this caped person. And in fact, I like I bought into it. I was into it that that whole time for sure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the whole uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, Jim Gordon interaction because I think the chemistry that they had together was also phenomenal on the screen. Um, doing like the the good cop bad well not he wasn't exactly a good cop he was more like you know bad cop worse cop right um but good cop bad bad shit cop was bad shit yeah that's right yeah bad shit cop (laughs) (laughs) but the best part was yeah when he was in the police precinct and you know gordon is trying to figure out how to get him out of there and they're like face to face and they're it looks like to everyone else looking in like they're arguing and they're having beef and all that but they're just whispering to each other like well won't you you know knock me out and grab my key you know but make it trying to have a little (laughs) conversation about they're like okay so what are we gonna do we're gonna act like we're mad at each other yeah 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 Yeah. and and it's it's true if it wasn't those two actors or if it was directed differently, it could have come across very cheesy or very campy or just comical, right? But I think the fact that we laughed at it because we put ourselves in that situation, it's just, this guy is awkward. This guy is just trying to, you know, you know, try to talk to him in a way that he can, like, relate to him and all that stuff like that. I I think it just, it made sense, right? Um, But I think it goes to how good of an actor Pattinson is, how good of an actor Jeffrey Wright is. Um, you know, Zoe Kravitz, I think she gets a lot of slack, uh, a lot of flack, I should say, on her empty soul acting, I, I think. Uh, it's been a lot of her criticisms that she's gotten where people are just saying she's not a great actress and all that stuff like that. I think this is the type of role that actually suits her. 
you know, and it, I think she did a really, really great job in it. Um, Paul Dano was freaking phenomenal. I mean, that dude was nutty, but at the same time, scary as hell, you know, and and then when you finally reveal his face at the end, you're just like, wait a minute. This is just like a normal dude you would see, you know, in the library or something like that. But his mind just doesn't work that way, right? His mind is like, it's it's almost as if he was like another version of the Joker. And I don't think we've ever gotten that portrayal of the Riddler that way. Uh, but again, I have to bring back Colin Farrell because that dude got lost into that role. And many times I keep forgetting it's him because it just doesn't look like him at all. Um, and then I think in my review, I, I mentioned, and we talked about this uh, at another time, that even though I loved it and I thought it fit, I couldn't stop thinking about Dick Tracy and how it reminded me of like the Dick Tracy villains there. And then you told me that that was what he was going for, right? Yeah, the somebody was mentioning that the and you and the people talk about like if someone is unrecognizable or they disappear in the and like that's like even Gary Oldman um as as was it Churchill a couple a couple yeah. few years ago. Mm-hmm. You can still see it's Gary Oldman's face. I could stare at that all day and if you put 10 actors next to him there's a 1 in 10 chance that I would get that it was Colin Farrell. Yeah. That was literally unrecognizable. He completely disappeared into that. Now, you get a lot of props for to the hair and makeup department of course. Um, and costume. I, I don't I thought that was uh, was mind-blowing. I it's also such an interesting choice that they didn't hire a supporting actor. I don't know how many people left going, wait, Colin Farrell was in that movie or who, like, especially if you didn't know going in, there've been multiple yeah. people who know what Colin Farrell looks like, who've said, wait, that was, Colin Farrell was in that movie. What are you talking about? And they'd have to go yep. back. And it's still, it, that's how far, far away it was. His voice, there was something early on. Cause I knew this is a big role. They're not going to just, and I, I was literally, I didn't know going into it. I tried to not look at anything. Yeah. I pulled up on my phone with my jacket around it and like looking at IMDB saying like who's playing that I go what the and I heard it in the voice a little bit but even uh-huh. then when I re-watched it I was listening for like okay where's Colin Farrell's voice because I remember this is about the nope and I couldn't find it the second time around there I that was uh, absolutely unreal what I'm I, kind of curious about um is does he get actual props for that performance because you have like the the Jared Leto House of Gucci ridiculousness, totally different, and the the fat suit and the full mask and all that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he gets because not only is it a superhero movie, but it's also it's still only March, but people are talking about his performance and how bonkers that was. I don't know if people take it seriously as an acting performance. Um, or if most, or if this movie instead, I think the way I'm looking at it, and at least right now in March, is somebody's got to get nominated, either hair and makeup or Colin Farrell, because mm-hmm. that was or both, because that was next level. I don't know how many times people talk about, you know, even old Batman, Christian Bale, gaining a lot of weight, losing weight, or an old The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix doing that stuff. This was so bizarre how yeah. this very, very, very famous man 
people could watch him on screen for that much time and have no idea who it was. That was unreal. I think his his acting, some people are mad about the accent and how, how cartoonish he was. I'm kind of glad there was a cartoonish element to this movie and it would be his character and the vo- the voice and the uh, the way he was he was doing all that. Um I I liked it a lot as as an acting performance and I mm. I don't know if if the academy would take this seriously. Um but if what I'm what I kind of want to do is like the the question is does this movie get Oscar nominations? Does this movie get acting nominations and if so who because i think colin farrell has to be he's at least the most talked about performance he'd be someone who stands right. out in that way um i right. i liked um we, we can talk about john Turturro too i think he did a great job i don't think it necessarily stood out he was doing his john Turturro thing every right every right can just wake up in the morning and you call him on the phone and he can do that performance he's that good yeah. um but it wasn't necessarily over the top special ridiculousness mm-hmm. paul dana was very over the top but actually i would take points away if we if we talk about things that I didn't necessarily like about the movie, is he was kind of drama school about it and doing very okay. very acting, which when he does it in There Will Be Blood, it was amazing. I've seen that movie maybe more than in almost any other movie. Mm-hmm. He's doing a very similar like, oh come on, no, like that thing, but like, like especially at the end, off. right? Yeah. When yeah. Paul Dano says like they go, Hey, you have to act like you just lost your mind, that's what he does. And it was right. yeah. No, not me. My, I, we're on the same team. Why? Like that thing. He was really good at that. Um, but right. it, it did feel over the top. And I feel like I was watching Paul Dano act. Oh, maybe also because this is one of the first times we're seeing his face in the movie too. And it's a very Paul Dano moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that Colin Farrell is the standout in the, that way, even though we don't even see his face at all. Yeah. And I, I think you... you you bring up some good questions about um, how serious would people take this movie if it was to be in consideration for like Oscar season. Right. I think this movie already has some things against that. You know, one, it came out in uh, early in the year. Most oftentimes movies this early will get very quickly forgotten come Oscar season because they only remember movies from like four months back. Right. Right. but I do think, if anything, this movie should be really uh, looked at for cinematography. It should definitely be looked at for costume, makeup, because, again, like you said, how amazing Colin Farrell looked, you know, and how it just no one could figure out who he was. Like, it, it was just people in my theater were saying the same thing, too. You know, and I remember at the end, it was like, I heard someone in the back saying, man, Colin Farrell was great. It's like, he, oh, he was in this movie? It's like, yeah, <laughs> dummy, he was the penguin. Like, you know, it was like really funny. And the score, the score is phenomenal. The score is just, Unreal. just the right tone. It fit a lot of the moments you saw visually throughout the movie. Now, I do have a question for you. So I, during a lot of the fight scenes, especially the hand-to-hand combat stuff, was the soundtrack and score like overbearing to the point where you couldn't hear the punches being landed or anything like that? Because in my theater, a lot of the punches were very muted and I didn't really feel like, oh, I felt that. Oh, you know, like, oh, that that must have hurt. I think the only time I ever felt that was um, in in Gotham Square Garden when they're on top of the scoreboard and 
Batman approaches that guy on the floor and he, the guy shoots him with like the shotgun and he, you see him <clears> fly <throat> off, right? That's the only time I really felt like, ooh, like that was like big. So I don't know if you felt the same thing with the two times you saw it. So this was not a boom pow action movie. And in fact, mm -hmm. when I, my brother and I talk about movies the way that you and I talk about movies and we'll go in depth. And one of the things that we bring up is the way action movies have changed over time. During COVID, right. we had a project where we would get, we were getting caught up on old classics. And so oftentimes it was an action movie from back in the day and old bonds um, or boxing movies, things like that. You would have the whoosh, whoosh sound and then the camera's mm -hmm. cutting. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if either intentionally with this movie or uh, in this director's career at some point, he said, that's bad. I don't ever want to do that. I want it to be more realistic because how many times right. do you hear a punch sound in of real course, life? Yeah. It sounds like it does in the movies, vice versa. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't even think about that. I usually appreciate verisimilitude and it's someone who likes international movies and indie movies. I usually like for things to not be over the top mm -hmm. and uh, to have to announce themselves that loudly. I didn't even notice that. I was in a the Dolby um, cinema of yeah. AMC both times I watched it. Mm -hmm. That was intentional where I even saw a showtime I didn't want to see so I could have the Dolby experience for this action, uh, this level of action movie. Yeah, A lot of times in the movie, some people were complaining there wasn't enough action, which maybe they want from their superhero movies. I think especially mm -hmm. for the Batman and for a first one, this was great in that regard for me. Yeah. Um, I remember feeling the gunfire. There's one moment in particular uh, that's gotten a lot of props where they're, the lighting of the screen oh. of everything you see is from gunfire blast. That light is, yeah. and everything is silhouetted and that's all you're seeing. So good, so well done. I'm feeling I that think... in my chest and my back. And then, yeah. like I mentioned, the score I Shazam that. Walking yeah. into the theater, there was a little hallway where I spent some time, like I was shooting off some messages before I went in because I knew I'd be uh -huh. uh, totally offline. And they had that, dun, 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 that, that playing in the little hallway area uh, that got fully stuck in my head. Um, yeah. I don't remember the if the that hurting the action scenes, though. It did feel unique the way the ac action scenes were executed. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that. I don't, the fact that I don't even remember that because that often is something that bugs me with these right. movies. This felt m more realistic, including the way he's punching and they're showing him wind up and do a full punch in more of a brawler style of a fighter. Right. Um, and then mm -hmm. with Selena Kyle doing the more bendy kicks, uh, that stuff. But um, I, I was into those moments and the fact that they were fewer and farther between than a lot of action movies made me enjoy mm -hmm. them a lot more. I don't remember that. Is that something that you noticed, though, is not hearing? Yeah, like, like... Yeah, like that was like the the one thing that I couldn't stop paying attention to because, you know, when you so you saw it in a Dolby theater, I saw it in an IMAX theater, and you know, obviously those theaters are meant for like great sound, great visual, like and all that stuff like that, you know. And the dialogue was fine, the score was perfect, but then for some reason, when the action scenes happened, I felt like I couldn't hear what was going on all i heard was the score overbearing everything kind of like tenant in, in you know yeah. in nolan's you yeah. know talent like how the soundtrack and the score would just be all in your face when something's happening um so it slightly took me out of it 
But now thinking about it the way you put it there, where it's a little bit more of a realistic way of, mm-hmm. of filming a fight scene or fight scenes, then it kind of makes me understand it a little bit more. And, and who knows? Maybe it could have been the theater also. Maybe the sound wasn't that well adjusted or what have you. But it it, it wasn't so much where we like oh, this is a huge negative for the movie. It was just more of a curiosity. Like, yeah, if this yeah. was, like, a, a choice of the director and the editing, then okay, I get it. I totally get it. But it that scene you, you... you Yeah, that scene you brought up about the darkness and how it was only lit by the gunfire and you see the Batman just doing what he has to do, that has got to be the best visual aspect of this movie, like, overall. Because I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that did it that way before. And reading the backstory about that scene how it was all filmed practically like there's no edited like cg or anything in there it's like all practical lighting and effects and that they use for that shot that's awesome filmmaking right there like that is just like again cinematography like that is great like that that's and if anything that's what this movie should really be um you know praised for is a lot of that moment a lot of those moments you know you also have to give it up to this the stuntman who they did those real effects oh, yeah. and they actually died and and that was really tragic that they had to use real bullets to get the actual effects and so the fact that you have I know a lot yeah. of bodies but um it was well worth it the sacrifice the, I think cinematography is the main thing that stands out for me if, if we are talking yeah. about because I know um I'm excited to talk to you with the Oscars coming up about that this would be the next year it's March which yeah. is early which makes me wonder were they because sometimes especially february that's when movies sometimes get hidden on the calendar um mm-hmm. this was not like a big summer release date um i definitely don't know if i don't know if um if they even if dc even has considered a thought about awards much but like the joker was taken seriously enough sure and that was a yeah. totally different movie but i think that in recent years we've seen it enough that if you're not a corny superhero movie you can get noms even outside of just editing or sound editing i personally think we could be looking at cinematography i would like that i don't know if that's the world we live in that would be cool in my opinion definitely all the below the line stuff i could see people just throwing at it um oh yeah especially if they're grateful to it for for um box office reasons especially at this point in pandemic with that Mm -hmm. and spider-man there i think those movies might be um which i guess we don't really see with spider-man but with the batman i i think could get some extra credit especially on below the line things right i would love to see an acting nomination i don't know if if we get that for colin farrell i think he'd have to he'd probably be the only one um but otherwise score i would like to see which that's something you do see with action movies sometimes usually Mm -hmm. more the christopher nolan type stuff the the um either you have a, a dune or um I'm thinking of uh, Dunkirk from from a few right. years ago, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. But I could see this one score and cinematography to me are the ones that stand out, especially not just for a superhero movie, but for all movies. Yeah, I mean, especially with Giacchino doing the score and soundtrack for this for this movie, you know, he is well known for amazing scores and soundtracks, and he's already had a huge track record. So I don't see unless he scores. 10 other movies for the rest of the year I I would like to see this at least be in consideration as probably one of the best that we will get to hear this year because it it, 
as far as setting the tone as far as like fitting with all the visuals and really giving you those moments of just like importance and 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 whatever emotion they're trying to invoke uh it did a really great job i I really felt it was impactful and powerful in in that aspect so um we talked a lot about what we liked and we did mention a lot about you know certain some things that we didn't like was there anything else about the movie that you didn't like I don't want to be a nitpicker, but there was a <laughs> couple fine. things. So I'm glad that I enjoyed the movie. I think that there are times where someone doesn't like a movie and they're just kind of looking for little things that bother them. Yeah, I like the movie so much that I put these out of my mind and was able to enjoy it throughout. But there's a couple things with the effects. Um, you were talking about the the practical effects with the the gunfire, super well yeah. executed. Awesome. Yeah. Somebody was uh, in an interview with the director. They were talking about uh, the director was talking about they would actually use old cameras and old film like that hadn't been used in a while and were put onto the side of the car and they were trying to do things almost shitty on purpose to yeah. to paraphrase their long explanation for their filmmaking process. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I loved the way all of that was done. I think that gave it a special quality that we don't see much in, especially in big blockbuster movies. The things that don't make sense to me um, are there's an explosion in Batman's face and his face is exposed, which these kind of things we see in movies all the time. There is a right. gigantic explosion right in his face yeah. and um, with a very well acted uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Um, mm-hmm. A great job with that DA character. But And then dude just kind of like wakes up and is was unconscious for a little bit, but uh, his lips are totally fine. If it was babies, <laughs> this thing does not make sense to me. Another one was um, there's another physics problem with the Riddler. They show him in the interrogation scene. I actually, uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this on on a recording, but I took a picture of it because it was so ridiculous to me. I think I sent it to you, and I think I sent it to to somebody oh, else. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why is the the handcuff for his neck? First off, I don't know what the technology is. Why you need a neck handcuff? Okay, sure. It's a special. It looks cool. It looks so cool. I was like, "Oh, that's a great Halloween costume prop." Like, it it looked badass. I I don't know. How, Paul Dano's head is not that big to where a thing that comes around to his shoulders could possibly be harnessing him in any way. If it was tighter, and then you run forward, it's like a dog leash situation. No, right. absolutely not. You could have absolutely lifted that out. I stared at it so much. I took a picture, sent it out, looked at it again later, just going like. Why would they do that? And I maybe there's something I don't get. And if somebody who keeps prisoners locked up, especially people like the Riddler, and knows what technology we're dealing with here, where that helps. Please chime in. Yeah, please chime in. Seriously, subscribe, but then also comment below. Right. We need to know. Um, There was a couple other, there was just a couple other moments like that that didn't make total sense to me on the physics. The other one, which um, uh, I heard someone else say, and it made me think like, yeah, there was, it didn't quite add up, but. On um, the physics, the moment where he's going towards the—I'm um, not even sure what the term is—the the, the generator, the power thing at Gotham Square Garden. Which, by the way, they use the same font, so I think we can say that's why. Time. That's why it's MSG. I'm sorry. The door was a little bit bigger, from what I could tell, or like was it an angle that you don't necessarily get with the Penn Station? But no, that was the Gotham Square Garden font. Uh, yeah. the, the scene where he sacrifices his life he has this big little martyr moment and right. he cuts it and he falls down into the water mm-hmm. I, this is another one of those 
some people who don't know the story, don't know what to expect, were actually saying they thought he might die in that moment, that they mm -hmm. might actually have a, which they've done with, so like, there's a spoiler alert for James Bond fans. James Bond, it looks like he died in the last movie. They <laughs> could have, in theory, just gone full out on that concept in that moment. Right. I didn't see it that way, but it was pretty, it was the very high dramatic, climactic moment of this movie. What, I don't understand quite, I do know that thing, if it had fallen in the water, people may have been electrocuted or something like that. It wasn't yes. fully clear to me, and I wish the stakes had been higher. Normally, if they were a cheesier movie playing the lowest common denominator, it would have too much exposition, and someone would go, oh, look, if that falls in the water, then we'll all die. We'll be fried. And they'll have to explain that science to, to anyone watching the movie. Right. They did not do that. I think they went a little too far the other way. So there's just a few things that felt the almost everything about the movie was not corny to me. And I like that they went away from the campy corny elements of Batman's past. Mm -hmm. um, there was a few things where it maybe could have used a little bit more uh, exposition or cartoonish level of uh, things being simpler. And it mm -hmm. just, even that one scene alone, I think makes a big difference because it was such a huge climactic moment. I think I'm probably gonna right. be the only person complaining about the neck handcuff situation for Paul Dano. <laughs> <laughs> about that, the, um, the, the power situation in, in Gotham Square Garden. Right. But what right. about you? No, I mean, a lot of things you said made sense and things that I never really thought about. I think for me, my biggest gripes with the movie was, you know, unfortunately, where we stand apart is the length. Like for me, it did feel a little long. I thought there were a lot of scenes that could have been cut a little short. But for the purpose of making this a more cinematic movie experience, I understand the choices that they made of like prolonging a scene. Like for a good example was when um, that scene when I, I forget if it was a DA or something like that walking out of the club into his car and the Riddler was waiting for him in the car. So we got that like above shot of Riddler doing his thing. And then obviously he was done, but then they stayed on that shot a little longer. Like I felt like there were a lot of moments with that felt like that where they could have cut it a little shorter. Um, I, I, you know, and, you know, towards the end, it did feel like it could have ended in multiple ways. And but then you forget, oh, Falcone said, oh, wait a minute. Riddler's still running around. So, yeah, we got to make sure we, we close that arc out. And then, you know, what's going to happen with Selena Kyle? All right. OK. You know, they have their little send off or goodbye or whatever like that. Um, you know, so it, it, not, it not to the point where it was like Return of the King multiple endings but i did feel like it there was a possibility where it could have ended in many different ways but it just didn't right yeah. um and you know that's where i also said like some of the the people in my theater already getting to that point where they were getting restless and i think they were kind of experiencing the same moments as well um so i mean and other than that, I mean, the only other, like I, like I mentioned before, just that sound thing, that was just something I was more curious about. Not so much as, uh, of it being a gripe, um, but just something out of curiosity. And, um, you know, the, the choice that Colin Farrell had with his acting of The Penguin, which the longer I think about it, the more I actually like, you know, which is mm -hmm. something that's really, really funny because I think you need that type of, character in this environment 
because mm-hmm. I think if everyone's too serious or too mm-hmm. nutty in the opposite way, mm-hmm. I think it, it's just it's it's a little bit too much of that. That now that we have someone who is kind of like the mafia over the top, you know, Sopranos guy, that is probably going to end up being extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, you know, I, I do like the fact that we have that because it also does lend to that those moments of levity that we may need to kind of cut the tension throughout already fully tension filled movie, right? Um, wow. so, so I do appreciate it the more and more I think about it. Um, but yeah, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of things I did not like about this movie. So, you know, I agree with your nitpicks though. <laughs> I think the, uh, with Bat- the Batman or even just the Batman history, there was a lot of corniness. And if you're yeah. comparing Colin Farrell's ridiculousness to like a Danny DeVito or a Jim Carrey, oh, yeah. even Tommy Lee Jones, who's often an understated actor, being ridiculous as Two-Face or the Jack Nicholson yeah. path. Like, I'm glad that... So by that comparison, it wasn't very absurd. It was still a fairly... I don't know. I don't think I can say realistic because uh, it was it was very over the top. But even like by the comparison of a Jim Carrey overacting, it was yeah. it still felt like this man was ex- ex- exuding some nuance or some emotion and like seemed like a developed character. And we've had the movie The Joker, the Walking Phoenix movie. We I I don't think that the actual blockbuster versions of these need to be that mentally unhinged. And so having mm-hmm. some of that silliness inserted there. I enjoyed in having some comic relief, which this movie did have, yeah. though it was so miserable and uncomfortable and so long. I think that that maybe helps save the movie and make it much more palatable. Um, as far as the the long shots, I love that stuff. Uh, you know, I love the, the uh, American indie movies. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, of this Jeffrey Wright performance reminds me a lot of, um, uh, the only lovers left alive, which is a Jim Jarmusch movie. And his movies so often it's that same thing where it'll just linger on someone. Mm-hmm. I adore that stuff. We've had, you and I've had this debate many times. I don't want movies to be too edited. I like it when yeah. it's very realistic and puts you in those moments. Um, talking about the Robert Pattinson and uh, Kristen Stewart past. And so many of the movies mm-hmm. they've made since then are these indie movies that are directed in that kind of way. And I've enjoyed their careers so much the fact that you were you were mentioning selena kyle zoe kravitz as selena kyle and that like dead acting and i'm thinking of of she's the opposite of bella in so many ways she's a oh proper, yeah she's a badass feminist heroine i loved her character um i don't i didn't say i thought of her as very charismatic um but i'm also my my taste is different i'm used to indie movies instead of a lot of more uh over the top uh or superhero type stuff um by that comparison she is very charismatic and robert pattinson is is uh, on point Mm -hmm. i and then like nowadays you have uh a kristen stewart getting nominated for a spencer those are the kind of movies i like the long takes i those didn't bother me at all but i definitely noticed it if someone can say if those were shorter the movie would be shorter and i would like it more and i think that that's fair i like those long takes and i think early on even the very first moment where it's been out. And some movies will do it for the first few scenes. They'll have a long intro trying to get you into the mode and get everyone's getting comfortable in their seats at the theater. 
this movie yeah. kept with that. Uh, I appreciated that a lot. And I think that I, I would love to, to, to read the, the dissertation on how this movie's directing and editing helps put us in the psychology of that Batman and mm -hmm. his pursuit of vengeance and justice. I thought it yeah. was well done in that regard. Um, even if it wasn't necessarily the, the most crowd pleasing choices, I, yeah. I, I, that kind of stuff. It's interesting. Cause I think, um, a good movie often if it's something that I didn't like, but you liked or vice versa, but it didn't, you know, annoy us to the point where we, we hated it. I actually oh, yeah. liked about it and, and it was definitely these weren't like deal breakers. I don't think I didn't leave yeah. all of my little nitpicks. None of them were enough for me to be like that movie sucked because the, the neck cuff was too big. Right. <laughs> that would have been like funny if that was your tipping point or you're like all right enough that shit didn't make any sense whatsoever this movie sucks <laughs> speaking speaking of props though are we gonna talk about that gorgeous beautiful muscle car freaky oh, yeah. batmobile is Absolutely. that thing i know that that was realistic or like it was more realistic it was a unique batmobile i adored that oh that machine was nice yeah no it was a, a beautiful piece of machinery and actually leads to this fun segment that i thought we could do is just take a look at the history of the live action batmobiles because okay. we've gotten so many versions of this thing and the one thing that the batman has always been known for is his vehicles and his gadgets right and i feel like the the whatever vehicle he drives is judged just as much as the character himself right so let's take a quick look at what we have here as far as uh, bat vehicles are concerned. So one, we have to go back, and I'm not including the Adam West uh, Batmobile because even though they did do one movie, it really started and stayed on TV. So I'm not gonna include that. So we're gonna go back to 89 with the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batmobile. Um, this was for me, probably one of the the better batmobiles because it's just so iconic at this point um plus the fact that i love how it just looks very phallic um it does look like a penis in a condom with its reservoir tip i just think that's really hilarious and i'm pretty sure that was done on purpose <laughs> i feel like i feel like tim burton definitely did, did was doing something there I like yeah. it, and honestly, if I saw that at the store and was looking for a product, I'd be like, "Okay, that's that's about right. That that's that it's well crafted. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like it, it can definitely uh, do some damage, cause some friction. Yeah. I, I like it's no matter what, just as an engineering product, that thing is well well made. Yeah, it's a it's a sleek looking thing, and I I loved how this Batmobile lasted two movies because it was also in Batman Returns, um, with some added gadgets to it. Where I think they added a bomb here, and they added an ability for it to like spin on its own or whatever. I loved the cocoon that would form around it as a shield. You know, like it had just like all the perfect gadgets with it and everything like that. Then you move on to uh, the Val Kilmer Batmobile, which you could tell. They really wanted to sell toys on this one because they just went nuts with this guy. Um, exposing all the inner parts in a, a really sleekish way, I guess. Um, this thing does not look aerodynamic whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how you drive this thing around. Plus, 
as we were getting more into the Val Kilmer and George Clooney Batmans, neon was very important. So when this sucker lit up, <laughs> it really freaking... Whoa! <laughs> it looks like a killer whale. It doesn't look... Yeah. It looks, it has way more in common with, the, with Shamu than it does with Batman, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. The it looks like it's... The on the side are weird. The, yeah. the headlight, I don't, I don't, I don't like this at all. I can't imagine how difficult, how intricate the toy would have to be for it to look realistic. But goodness <laughs> gracious! And then yeah. the suspension has to just be un, unreal for the tire wheels and going to, to not just constantly scrape. Imagine a speed bump on this thing. If the car is as low as the wheels are, I'm sure that there's some somebody could complain in the comments. I would appreciate it. Of, oh yeah, oh, I... the technology that they use and how it got. But just looking at it, I would not want to pick this thing up off the lot if it was next to the other. Yeah, I mean, good luck driving this thing around New York. I mean, you wouldn't last three blocks on this thing. Um, (laughs) No. Because, yeah, your car, your rims will be wrecked. You know, whatever this crazy wheel cover well thing is wouldn't last, like, more than a day. Um, It's just would have a fine evening. The pothole took out Batman on the way and everyone just drive <laughs> yeah. off in a bicycle to defeat that thing in, in, oh, a, yeah. in a Gotham City street. Yeah. Like, there's no it, way the infrastructure is good in Gotham. I, there's no way, not with that level of corruption, there's going to be potholes. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, and and the George Clooney one is not any better. I mean, they tried to make it a little bit sleeker. They tried to make they tried. It looks like they tried to add a little bit of the Tim Burtonish look with the Val Kilmer look, and they made this monstrosity of a vehicle where it's just like again more importance on the lights and the exposing of all the machinery and all that. But at least this one looks like it could drive better. The it's got a beak on it. Um, yeah. It definitely. I don't like that. It definitely looks like it can drive better. The I'm you. I, my first question at the dealership would be, how do I get in this thing? Um, <laughs> I think practicality and verisimilitude. Like these were not important back in these movies. Of like, yeah. is it a very realistic looking car? It's. Yeah. Uh, it would get attention. Absolutely. Oh, for the sure. last one would get attention. I think in like the word in the bad way. This one, mm-hmm. there'd be people taking pictures of it on the street. Um, it's definitely better. Uh, I it's it's a bit it's a bit loud for me. I, I don't even mean the yeah. engine. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, then we move on to the Christopher Nolan Batmobile, and this one they went full on military <laughs> with this sucker. I mean, it's is it a tank? Is it uh, <laughs> is it a submarine? I have no freaking idea, but full on military. It's bulky as hell. I don't know how this even fit on the street around Gotham, but I guess it didn't matter because he just ran over cars left and right with it anyway, right? So, I yeah, the other one, the Tim Burton one, they were really worried about making sure it could fit good. Yeah, this one didn't give a fuck. It's a right no nostrils of the car. I honestly do like looking at it, and I remember like there's some, maybe it's just I have some good memories of watching this thing vroom vroom mm-hmm. around Gotham and just some badass moments with it. I think that uh, Christopher Nolan is really good at thinking outside of the box and yeah. the way that he would go. Okay, but conceptually, what does a vehicle have to have and do, and what would make it most effective? And then they redesign what we know about vehicles mm-hmm. if. In, I don't know at what point the military has these things or if now that we're at drones, we never get to it. But it would have happened eventually on an alternate oh, yeah. time. 
this thing is I don't know if it's it's not pretty at all, but it looks yeah. if if someone wants to be absolutely obliterated and demolished, if the Tim Burton one is a thing that would get get somebody excited, this is the one if you have a death wish and are and are oh, yeah. just looking like if you're a masochist, this is the one you would want to run over you in Gotham City streets. It's a beast. I yeah. I kind of have, you have to respect it. Oh, for sure. Like, like this is the this is the Batmobile you would own if you wanted to show how macho you were. You know, kind of like what people do when they buy the Hummers nowadays, and you know, which those things don't belong anywhere on a on a regular street. But you know, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger that made that shit popular. Um, this is that. This is that crazy hulking beast of a vehicle that it does look like it could have been created in the military for whatever purpose they wanted to use it for, right? Um, and you're right. Nolan does a lot of research when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So it's very plausible when you look at a, a, a crazy uh, vehicle like this. I'd like, oh, yeah, I could see this really being military grade and, you know, existing out there in the real world. Um, but then you go into the Ben Affleck Batmobile, and we kind of go back to... A little bit more fantastical in a way, where it looks like they take they took a bit off of the Nolan Batmobile, and tried to cram in all the previous Batmobiles as far as like making it more sleek, no lights, but uh, still along the lines of it being kind of militaryish look and feel to it. Mm. No, absolutely. Yeah. This is something you would you would open up. Um, the year drones are popular at at Christmas. This is something you could open yeah. up. Um, and expect to see it like doing weird. So like if it's a boomerang of a vehicle, it yeah. looks like it could hover also. Um, mm -hmm. You said no lights. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you, you know, like how the Val Kilmer and including Batmobiles had like lights all oh, around it. Like yeah, this, yeah. this is the least flashy yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, of the Batmobiles where it looks like it was more focused on a little bit more sleekness, but still had that right. military grade to it. You know, that, that makes total sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I think the one vehicle we wanted to talk about today for sure is the new Batman Mustang. Oh, I mean, this is definitely the more realistic of the Batmobiles that we've gotten, where it looks like someone could literally make this tomorrow. And we could see this driving around the streets uh, of New York, L.A., whatever, Chicago. Um, and we wouldn't bat an eye too much of it. Uh, it, it looks like something that could also fit in the Mad Max world, if mm -hmm. if need be. Um, I do love the fact that it does also kind of harken back to the animated Batmobile from the animated series because of the the grill it has on the the hood of the car. Um, but what about that engine? That crazy mm -hmm. like jet fighter style mm -hmm. engine in the back. I mean, mm -hmm. this this thing is is fantastic. I I adore it. You're it, it's definitely uh, giving Mad Max. It's definitely giving Fast and Furious yep. that engine. Oh, um, and I'm actually I'm looking at because I had to look it up. The mm -hmm. Adam West one. It's it, it has some of that uh, some of that to its DNA. Mm -hmm. That engine. What I'm almost thinking is that this director. I feel like, and I, and I'm just um, projecting here, but I think that. They would say, what do I need for this movie for it to work to enhance my story? The yeah. main moment that this Batmobile has, at least when it's introduced to us, most primarily, most prominently, is he's using it 
loudly mm-hmm. as a to to get the attention of the penguin and the penguin's uh, henchmen, so that that way they leave Selena Kyle alone, and yep. he is kind of attracting people away. I thought that scene, as far as action goes, was very well executed. And oh, it's, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. That woman still gets to go back, slap the guy with her motorcycle, and grab the bag. He gets her away by just revving that thing up. Mm-hmm. If if they said we need something that's first loud in for this plot, and then after that it needs to go vroom vroom fast, it needs to be strong enough that it could hang on the highway. The Christopher Nolan one, you don't have to be a good driver to beat up other cars. This one, Robert Pattinson's character had to be sharp-minded to solve these things yeah. uh, the 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 detective work he had to do and he also mm-hmm. had to be sharp on the road even though i don't think he's getting much sleep and i think on the inside he's not okay um, <laughs> but at least sharp enough he's driving this thing down the highway which is going to have some defense it's going to be a beast compared to other regular yeah. cars but it's not a tank and I actually it's making me looking at it out, out in the open like that it's making me respect this Batman's character's intelligence even more. I do feel like this not only serves the plot, um, it might sell less toys at the end of the day. I would love to see this thing on the street. It is nice to look at. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, like you said, I feel like the number one idea when creating this, especially with the type of engine it has and all that, is intimidation. This is meant to intimidate you. Um, which he does, like when it first shows up, he's like revving that bad boy, and he's just like, "Your move, sucker!" Like, like I'm, I'm ready for you. Which at first, I thought the car stalled. That's what I thought happened. Like, like when he was revving it up and it just kind of stopped. I was like, "Did it just right. fucking stall?" Like, like, oh yeah. no! But, but then, the, the more I think about it, it's like, no, wait a minute, no, this he was intimidating the penguin. He was just like, "Your move, right?" Like, I'm waiting for you. When you um, think about it, this the first time we see him in the bat suit, and he's walking around the city, and he goes and gets the guys who have the the white makeup on. Mm-hmm. A lot of the idea of him is there's too many petty crimes happening, and I'm, I yeah. am an intimidation factor, and right. I'm a deterrent because people are afraid that I might show up. That is right. also something happening with this vehicle. The other yeah. ones, like I think people might want to take pictures with it. I think if I saw someone driving this car, I'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want to fuck with them. I that oh. Yeah. is something where it's not overcompensating this is a properly badass vehicle and if i yeah. saw someone working on it too in a fast and furious kind of setting, i'd be like okay yeah this this person's this is very serious yeah so it's a real car and it is a very serious car um i think yeah. it does i think this one does enhance the plot which makes sense with some of the, the director's other choices yeah no for sure um and, and again it, it gives that grounded feel to this movie which i think overall I think it's safe to say, like, this is probably the more grounded version of the Batman, where it feels believable that if this was to happen in our reality, we could see that kind of happening, right? Like, it's a little bit more believable than a lot of the other previous movies that we got, with the exception of maybe The Dark Knight, because I felt like The Dark Knight, that was also pretty believable uh, with a lot of the things that happened throughout that movie. But when you see a vehicle like this, it gives it more of that realistic, like, yeah, I could see this going down the street. And if it did, you, you need to watch out because this guy's up to either no good or he's he's like on a mission for something big. Right. So uh, lovely piece of machinery for sure. And mm-hmm. I, I hope I hope they don't change it in future movies you know how they always have to like do a lot of alterations and all this shit like that because i like that they keep it they keep it kind of simple you know remember he has this 
And he has his motorcycle that he loves to ride around a lot in, you know, which is something that we, we don't really get to see the Batman yeah. use a lot of, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty awesome that they keep it simple and practical. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, it tells us a lot about uh, this movie. I'm sure mm-hmm. that the, that's, I think that's my last question. Um, yeah. Talking about this movie is what's, how long until there's another one? Do we know that there's another one? Do you feel like there will be just looking at it? Yeah. Uh, Matt Reeves already mentioned he's, he has it in his mind to do, to make this a trilogy. So okay. I think Pattinson's already on board for that. Um, that wow. now we, it doesn't sound like we're going to have to wait too long for this universe because HBO max, they're already working on a Gotham PD, uh, uh, series um, that is going to be taking place in this universe, and there will be doing also a Penguin spinoff uh, with Colin Farrell uh, act, um, uh, cast in it. So we are definitely going to see more of the formation of Gotham after the events of this movie that could potentially lead into what that next movie will be. Right. So I, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think the Gotham show might be a, a premiering later this year. I don't know. Um, if not, definitely next year. And I think the Penguin, same thing next year or two as well. So um, as far as movies, yes, we're definitely going to get a, a second movie here because I think this has done really well. I think as of the taping of this, uh, it already crossed 400 million worldwide. Um, okay. And this is only week two. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think it's definitely we're we're on the road to seeing more of this version of the Batman. Sick. Yeah, you're always you're always my source for these these kinds of things because <laughs> I don't all the headlines and I try not to. But yeah. I'm so excited for more of this world. I I think we need to have more superhero movies like this. Um, yeah. I'm excited to to see what it is in the future. In the meantime, mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk to keep talking about movies with you, man. This is this is yeah, fun. man. No, this was a lot of fun. And again, I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm glad you guys have been able to join in for it uh, as we approach the one hour and 43 minute uh, mark, which is, again, fantastic because we just have fun talking about movies like this. And like I said, you will see more of us. We will be in the next couple of weeks leading up until the Oscars um, releasing special Oscar related uh, videos uh, talking about certain nominee nominations and what our predictions are and all that stuff like that. So, again, stay tuned to the channel for that but until next time blake where can people find you if they wanted to find you anywhere online so i my all my movie opinions which are all valid and good and (laughs) totally untouchable um i i'm on letterbox at blake wolf ssn like blake wolf school school nurse uh at on letterboxd and i have ranked I think we're at 2,600 movies-ish and wow. uh, rated them. I've got a top 130 list. I've got a top 10 list. I've got, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, compulsively obsessed with this app. It's a problem, but that's definitely uh, where to find more movie opinions of mine. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I, I, I gave up on Letterboxd a while ago, um, but I, I've always been wanting to do it more and more. It's just I, I always forget about it. But no, that's awesome. And definitely make sure to follow him there. You could follow me. You could see it on the screen right there where to find me, Loki Geek, everywhere on Twitter, obviously YouTube. And if you want an audio version of this podcast, you can find it on your uh, podcast platform of choice, whether it's 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Just look for the Low Key Geek channel, uh, the podcast channel there, and you will find the this episode uploaded there. So, Blake, thank you again for joining us, uh, for joining me and us, uh, and we'll uh, and thank you, uh, viewer or listener, for joining us, and we'll definitely catch you next time. All right, y'all. So until then, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, and we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Uh-huh.